0: Well hello everyone and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host Lori LeBay and I'm glad you decided to join us today. We're going to have a wonderful conversation um, and we're going to be talking about mild cognitive impairment today. But with all shows I would like to do a couple of shout outs before we get started. So first I want to say thanks to the Mark Arneson band that featured Maya Dore with our opening music. If you like that song i just think it's really uplifting you can go ahead and download that on any of your music platforms for those of you that are new to our show we're about sound information not just sound bites we like to have real conversations with real people and so if you're interested in joining us today we are live and so that means you can call in to 323-870-4602 that is 323- Eight seven zero four six zero two. Now, um, on April 22nd at uh, 2 o'clock Central Time, that would be 3 Eastern, I'm going to be doing a program that is free on the internet. And the title is, You Can't Know What You Don't Know, A Simple Way to Explore a Variety of Dementia Resources. We're going to be actually highlighting Dementia Map, and this is sponsored by Emerald Crest. And uh, Cassia uh, properties. So if you're interested in that, you can contact uh, Christine Drasher at 952 586 7521. That's 952 856 7521. Or you can always get a hold of me as well. Now, in addition to that, I want to shout out to the Memory Cafe Directory. Wonderful, wonderful resource for people living with dementia, all different types of dementia or myocognitive impairment, Uh, early Alzheimer's uh, disease, vascular, Lewy body, frontal temporal temporal lobe, um, all are welcomed, uh, along with Alzheimer's disease, needless to say. And um, I personally do one um, the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock Central, so that's 2 o'clock. Eastern time and if you're interested in that just reach out to me at radio at AlzheimerSpeaks.com and I'll be more than glad to get you that information. Or you can go directly to Memory Cafe Directory.com. Go to the Cafe Connect section because that it, that lists all of the virtual ones. Not everybody is meeting in person yet at this time. Also want to shout out to Coro Health at C O R O Health. They are still allowing people to download uh, two of their apps, Music First and Choral Faith, uh, free during the pandemic. We're going to hear from the foot bar walker, and then we will be right back with our guest
1: introducing the life-changing foot bar walker
0: i'm peggy from danville kentucky and i'm 91 years old the foot bar walker revolutionized my care of george the saving that i made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about a hundred and ninety two thousand dollars
1: TheFootbarWalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend The Footbar Walker?
0: Do I ever. I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for The Footbar Walker. Well, welcome back. Uh, Today we are going to be talking with Tony Daring. He's the founder of GoCogno.com, which is a website for people with mild cognitive impairment known as MCI. He is also the author of the book, I Want My Mind Back, The Go Cogno Approach to Halt or Reverse Mild Cognitive Impairment. So welcome, Tony. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, and thank you for having me
1: today. And thank you for the work you do. You're doing wonderful work. I'm honored to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to have this conversation. A lot of times, you know, we uh, we don't hear about mild cognitive impairment. You know, there's still a huge stigmatism out there where people think anything dementia related is end stages. And so we really need to get the word out that there is help. And there's a lot of different types of cognitive problems that people can have. So again, today... We're going to be talking about MCI or mild cognitive impairment, what it is, how it differs from other dementias, and then also some resources to assist you. Uh, you will be able to call in today at 323 870 4602. That is 323 870 4602. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Tony, I always start out asking everyone who's on the show if they've ever been personally touched in their own family or circle of friends by, you know, MCI or any form of dementia. Uh,
1: Yes, uh, definitely I have, and that really is the driver of everything I do, which is in honor of my mother, Uh, who was a remarkable woman. She raised nine children. Uh, She was a successful, prominent businesswoman and a tireless community volunteer. You know, people might want to help, so maybe they volunteer at the food bank or they want to help more, so maybe they serve on the board of the food bank. In my community where I grew up, my mother founded the food bank. Uh, She said, we have hungry people in our community. We need a food bank. And she just went out and founded it. Um, So really a wonderful woman. But in her uh, uh, late 60s, early 70s, she developed a bit of issues, uh, mild cognitive impairment, Uh, She progressed to a form of dementia called frontotemporal degeneration and passed away in 2014. And I've always been very honest in saying I handled it horribly. I was in denial. I had no education. I didn't know. I let my fear uh, and my lack of knowledge paralyze me. I wasn't there for her the way I needed to be I wasn't there for my sisters helping with the care the way they needed Uh, and uh, after we lost her for about six months every day I just beat myself up mercilessly for feeling I had failed her and then one day I got up and I said you know what something good has to come out of the loss of a woman that wonderful And that day, I decided I'm going to learn everything I can uh, about brain health, about dementia. And because I'm a journalist, I'm going to write about it and educate people and just give that information to anyone who could benefit. And that's really become my purpose in life. So, So, yeah, very, very shaped by that experience.
0: And that is very common for advocates uh, to be personally touched. That's my story as well with my mom who had dementia for 30 years, never um, projected myself in this space at all. And then uh, like you, I was like, gosh, I don't want, I don't want other families going through what I went through. If I can make the world a little teeny bit better, um, I'm going to do that. And so um, thank you for, you know, making that commitment Um realizing what a difficult journey this is Um, being honest with yourself that hey you probably could have handled things better Um, and no matter how good we do it we could always handle things better Um, but but realizing that the lack of education and conversation is is one of the biggest downfalls within the disease itself and you know even from the doctors to the families uh, to the researchers everything that was out there for a long time was was extremely negative and not empowering and it was set up for end of life I know it sure was you know for my family's journey and I was glad that we didn't follow that path um all the way with it though we did hide it from a lot of people which you know today is is you know people are finding that's not a good thing because we can't fix what we don't know um, and what we don't establish when we don't step up and establish the needs, it makes it really, really difficult. So, um, you know, you, you got you got interested in writing about brain health and you're a journalist by trade, which makes that, um, I would imagine, much, much easier than it is for many others who, uh, you know, have the passion, but maybe haven't had that experience in their life. Uh, yeah. To turn into to writing about brain health, where did you find your resources, and and um, how did you how did you mold things to to make them your own?
1: Yeah, well, I was I was very fortunate. You have to figure out maybe what your assets are, how you can have the most impact, and because I work for a very large. East Coast Media Company. Uh, I have the kind of office on our company website, nj.com, that I can call any expert and get an interview. Uh, And so when there's something I want to write about, uh, I can really figure out whether that person's at Harvard or, uh, you know, at Wild Cornell or at Stanford, Uh, really get. To that expert and, and really understand from them that expertise you know like you I'm not a doctor I'm not a medical professional I can't diagnose anybody I can't you know I'm not a PhD neurologist what I do is get the best information from the top experts and then translated into layman's terms so that it's still accurate, but the average person can understand it. And I think that's where I help because uh, quite often that information isn't out there. Or if it is, it's like written in ways that uh, are jargony and the average person reads it and doesn't understand it. So that's that's where I try to make a difference.
0: Well, and I think that that is um, very perceptive. Uh, and I think a lot of medical and academic uh, communities still struggle with, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but making it relatable. Um, just the mm-hmm. use of words. Um, you, you know, you can't pronounce them, let alone understand what the heck they are or, <laughs> or you know, what the equations mean. And, right. you know, you don't always understand, right. even in presentations, the, the slides. They're they're talking like we're colleagues and, you know, we don't know all the acronyms. And so it is really important to break that down Mm -hmm. and speak the language of the everyday person out there. If we're really going to truly get people to understand, you know, what this is all about and how they can help themselves and and others uh, to me is, is really, really critical. Let's start by talking about what the heck is mild cognitive impairment and, And how common is it really?
1: Yeah, it it is a largely unrecognized and hard to grasp uh, thing. I mean, I would start out by saying that still even now, many people who are diagnosed with MCI, when they are told they have mild cognitive impairment, they've never heard of it. And we still see situations where the doctors never heard of it uh, and just bringing it out so people can understand. The way I try to describe it to help people really understand is I tell them, think of it like a fever, uh, right? So your body temperature, your normal body temperature is around 98. And if you take your temperature and it's 100 or 101, you have a fever. You know, that's not normal. Something has gone wrong there. And mild cognitive impairment is that way. It's a measure of your memory or other thinking skills where you're tested and properly evaluated and it's, you, your memory has slipped. Your mind has fallen and it's not in the normal range. So that's mild cognitive impairment. The thing that it's helpful for people to understand is, you know, you like fever, fever is not a disease it's just an indicator right you you know what the doctor and you need to do is figure out why do you have a fever what's causing your fever how do we treat it and MCI is the same thing it is not a um, it's not a disease it's a measure of the amount of memory loss you have uh, but something's causing that something's gone wrong in your mind, and you and your doctor want to figure that out and see what you can do to address it in terms of how common this is it's uh, disconcertingly common uh it's estimated that somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent of all people over the age of sixty five have mild cognitive impairment, and when you consider it in this country. That demographically speaking, ten thousand people are going to turn sixty five every day for the next nine years. You understand we really have to get a handle on the sub c i because it it's it's a lot of people now, and it's gonna be a lot more people by the end of this decade so so unfortunately very common.
0: Here we go. My microphone okay, was yeah, so playing, sorry. playing games with me. Nope, nope, you were fine. Oh, I just techno, oh, okay, techno wins didn't on be, my end. <laughs>
1: um, didn't mean that maybe you with some dead air time there.
0: No, no, that's fine. Uh, those things happen. I mean, in, in the world of dementia, mm-hmm. that's a pretty minor <laughs> thing to have to deal with. And that's one of the yep. things that it teaches <laughs> us there for sure. Um, I was just uh, yeah. saying to myself without my mic live there, um, you know, good uh, good pairing of, of how you described the disease and, you know, in terms of the the numbers that are being impacted. And, you know, they're saying now with COVID that more and more people are starting to have neurological issues, um, not only dementia, um, but other things with like anxiety and uh, so forth. So it's gonna be interesting if this impacts us even more and the numbers are increasing um, more yeah, than yeah. they already are. Um, you know, Very about concerning it, right now. Yeah, and it's also changing the face. Myocognitive impairment has really changed the face of who can struggle with symptoms of of cognition loss, uh, which I think is really important, and and also highlights what people are still able to do. You know, many are still able okay. to drive, uh, many are still working. You know, it uh, it manifests in a lot of different ways uh, within each okay. and every body. And stuff. So that's uh, that's very very um, important to keep in mind. Why don't you talk a little bit about some of the differences between mild cognitive impairment and, you know, the the different dementias um, as a whole? Because uh, I, I think that's a, another thing that people need to be able to kind of separate out and look a little bit differently at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, where we are right now when many many people when they hear the words the doctor uses the words mild cognitive impairment what they hear is alzheimer's they think they've just been told they have alzheimer's Um, and for a long time that was the misperception Uh, mci was generally described as either a precursor uh, to Alzheimer's or referred to as incipient dementia, with the idea being that if you've got MCI, you're going to progress to Alzheimer's. It's just a question of how soon. And for some people, that is true. We have also come to understand that there are many forms of MCI, many possible causes, and many other things other than Alzheimer's. Uh, so, uh, you know vitamin deficiency, anxiety, stress uh depression, a thyroid condition, a bad reaction to medication, a sleep disorder, many things uh it could be, and we don't want people to jump to the conclusion immediately. That it uh, is Alzheimer's, although someone with MCI has a higher risk of Alzheimer's. One thing it's helpful for people to know if they can get their doctor to talk to them about this is there's basically two kinds of MCI. There's what's called amnestic MCI, an amnestic, you know, amnesia memory. If your primary cognitive problem is memory, that's called amnestic MCI, and those are the people who are at the greatest risk of progressing to Alzheimer's. There's also non-amnestic MCI. Uh, which means your memory is okay, it, it's something else, some other cognitive function, you know, language, vocabulary, uh, executive function, speed of processing, you know, these these other things. But, but even though it may be an underlying dementia, it may not, uh, one of the things I try to help people understand is uh, the approach is very common. Um, You know, the first thing is the importance of changes in health habits. You know, people have heard that exercise, nutrition, sleep, stress management, blood pressure. Um, You know, whether a person has MCI or Alzheimer's or an LCI that is or is not due to Alzheimer's, you know, those are things you can really put your effort into. Uh, And then, you know, beyond that, developing coping skills, memory of compensation techniques. And what we're really starting to understand and people like you are doing a tremendous job of spreading the message. It is still possible to live well with this condition. And we want people to think that way and understand that possibility. That's true with MCI. It's true with dementia. This idea you can still live well.
0: I totally agree. And that's that's been a huge, huge shift to get people to understand um, how important it is to value all of life and and really look at what is still available to us. And, you know, how do we adjust to life? That's what we've done all of our life. But we, we put it in a different perspective when there's a medical diagnosis. And We tend to look at the losses, and one of the things that I think has been um, very interesting to hear from people diagnosed with MCI is uh, some of the gifts that they have found wrapped in the disease, Um, things like um, being forced to slow down and Uh really appreciating a lot of the good, simple things that were overlooked prior to and, and I think that that is, um, uh, that is extremely, uh, you know, powerful as well. Um, you know, learning to communicate differently than what we used to instead of just relying on words all the time and, and so forth. So I think, uh, I think those are, are very, um, very good differentiators that you that you talked about. What have you heard? Because uh, I've heard this a ton, where people are diagnosed, let's say, with Alzheimer's disease, and then all of a sudden there's a change, and they're like, "Nope, you have you have mild cognitive impairment." What have you heard from people with dementia and or their families about a change in diagnosis that um, almost re- refers that their symptoms are less than what they once were?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can certainly tell you as someone who comes in contact with thousands of people with MCI that it is very common for me to deal with people who it wasn't that they had MCI and progressed to dementia. It was they were initially diagnosed with dementia, and when they weren't getting worse, or when, you know, further testing brought more information, they were you know downgraded to MCI that's the that's the much more common thing and obviously that's encouraging because at the MCI stage there's still we have come to understand in the last two or three years pretty good potential to slow it down uh even halt it uh at that stage and just stay there you know I have a I'm in a private facebook group um, with people with MCI, and I, I think you'll share that information later. But but one of the founders, a woman named Cheryl, her original diagnosis was Alzheimer's, and her, <laughs> you know she had Alzheimer's in her family, and and uh, but uh, she got a second opinion, and it was MCI, and that was 14 years ago. And mm-hmm. she has stayed stable in MCI and, you know, she does volunteer work. She stays active. She lives independently. You know, she has not, um, her MCI has stayed with her on her journey. I mean, she still has MCI. She's still affected by it. Uh, but she has learned how to live with it. Uh, she has a quality of life and, uh, I, I think that, that potential is there, and I I see it. I, I, I it's not a rare thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I I totally totally agree, and uh, you know what what I would hear from people who were diagnosed with Alzheimer's or Lewy body or whatever, um, and then they were told no they've got MCI they would get quite angry because they were like they were perceiving that others saw them as having uh, less symptoms. And mm-hmm. some have even gotten bullied saying that they were faking it. Uh, and, and most think, you know, from what I have heard, that they feel like it's more of an insurance thing than a symptoms mm-hmm. thing. They're like, my symptoms haven't changed. You're just categorizing it differently to maybe pay out differently in terms of how you're, how you're looking at it. And so there, yeah, there's
1: a uh, yeah, I'm sorry, there's a pretty popular opinion out there too, that oh, my doctor is just telling me I have m c i because he doesn't want to use the a word mm-hmm. um and that it's just like the doctor is uncomfortable, so he that's a cop out and and I do think it's really important to understand we can tell the difference. I mean, you can be properly evaluated, and it can be pretty clear. Uh that this is m c i and not dementia, and if it's m c i you've got a real chance uh to go after it aggressively at that stage, make some changes in your life, focus on these factors for you that are affecting your cognition and and get a better outcome and I would worry less about all oh, my you know my doctors pulling the wool over my eyes. I'd say I want the best, accurate diagnosis. I want to explain to me why, what factors make this MCI, and then I want to know what I can do about it. Those are the mm-hmm. people who, who get the result they're hoping for.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I, uh, I, I agree too. And, and we have to, we have to really set the stage to empower people. Uh, to, to, you know, they've got way more control than, I think, what they've really been led to believe. And I do think doctor's discomfort plays a huge role in terms of how this is communicated to people and, you know, is it hope or a death sentence? Um, and, And I think that, to me, that's something that we drastically need to change, too, in terms of the messaging. But that not only takes educating doctors on this, but giving them the time to have the conversations with their patients right. or building a team that is able to do that as well. And I think that's kind of a missing link in um in many of the scenarios out there. and i, I know a lot of clinics are getting better at that. they They really seem to be um, pulling together kind of like they have for breast cancer. I mean, Breast uh-huh. cancer is an experience now. I mean, it's a it's a full holistic experience in terms of how you are uh-huh. treated, how you are diagnosed, the words used, uh, the support, um, uh, and and I think there are some teams out there that are seeing, hey, we really need to do this in this area um, of dementia as well, from MCI to to any of the others, because we're really doing a disjustice to people by not. Serving them well and not having positive speak, um, or not uh, not giving them resources that they deserve uh-huh. uh, to be able to tap uh-huh. into. And uh, it, uh, go ahead. No, no,
1: no, I'm with you.
0: Okay, I was going to say, and when it comes to resources, I think you know MCI is is you know not talked about a ton. I mean, it's mentioned, people know it's there, but. Um, you don't see a lot of, um, how do I want to say, active positioning of of uh, education and awareness on it, which is kind of funny when they're really pushing, you know, getting diagnosed early. And the earlier you get diagnosed, the more likely you're probably going to fall into this category, at least initially, is my thought. What are, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? No,
1: it, it... Exactly the same. You know, I when I started writing about MCI, when I would look online, there were a handful of major entities, the one you'd expect, you know, uh, Healthline, the Mayo Clinic, the Alzheimer's Association, they all had a one page fact sheet on MCI. Uh, and it was all the same fact sheet, and that's really all there was. And it tended to be something that was three or four years old, and that's when I kind of thought. Like I need to try to uh, try to do something here that provides more and uh, current uh, information on that, which is uh, a void I try uh, to fill. But I was tracking it. I think the pivotal thing was two years ago. Uh, The Alzheimer's Association issues an annual report, you know, and every year the report has one page on MCI and it says the same thing. It's always said. And then uh, two years ago, well, actually, I think it was 2018 they did like a nine page special report on MCI. And it was the first time somebody said, you know, this is the bleeding edge of cognition uh, problems, yeah, you know. This is where we need to detect it because the earlier you detect it, the more can be done. And uh, you, you know, the, the emphasis now is really shifting to MCI. And here you know, we could talk about this a little bit more. But the, you know, people wouldn't go be seen because it's like, well if I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem. And if I have a problem, it's dementia. There's nothing they can do about that. Why would I even want to know? And Mm -hmm. now we really know, no, man, if you catch it early, there's a bunch of things that can be done and you could get out in front of this. So, so Yeah. Um, And and a lot of what we know about that really has come in research in the last three years. There's just Mm -hmm. been an explosion, just a complete explosion uh, in knowledge. And now there are uh, people who are doing amazing work uh, in that uh, area. Uh, you know, Kemper Cognitive in Cleveland and Dr. Isaacson at Weill Cornell and Dean and Aisha Shurzai, uh in Loma Linda and, and just, you know, people who are showing that you can be treated, you can make changes, and you really can at that stage uh, get a better result. And, and that's that's the key right now is people getting that message.
0: Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you there. I do want to just uh, tell people again, if you're listening uh, to us live, you can call in if you have <clears throat> any questions or comments. Maybe you're living with MCI. Maybe you're wondering if you're living with MCI or someone you you love or work with uh, might be having some issues in terms of in terms of cognition. Uh, feel free to call in. That number is three two three. Eight seven zero four six zero two. That's three two three eight seven zero four six zero two. As we continue our conversation here uh, with Tony, what are some of the the biggest issues that you see right now regarding mild cognitive impairment and you know how it's being treated or or not um, by the medical profession? Yes,
1: yes. I I see three things. Uh, that are really concerning and and trying to uh, to help address. The first we've already talked a little bit about, just poorly diagnosed, poorly explained. You know, the Mm -hmm. physician doesn't have enough training in that area um, and uh, is not certain of the diagnosis or just doesn't explain it. I've had many cases where I encounter people with MCI when they – got their diagnosis the doctor never actually said that and then sent them home with some papers and they read the papers when they're home and they see mild cognitive impairment it's like it wasn't even mentioned what is that and mm-hmm. you know they're scrambling around online I, I hope they find me You know, I hope uh, I can um, you, you know I hope that I can help them I think the bigger concern is there still a lot of doctors who don't haven't been educated in the recent developments, and the most common message is it goes along these lines. not much we can do about it. We just have to wait and see come back and see me in a year mm-hmm. um that's always been a disservice, but it's never been more wrong. I, I mean, there's a lot that can be done about it. There's a lot you can do for yourself, and you want to do that now, right away. You don't want to wait, you know. You um, and so just trying to get to the point where that's not the message the doctor gives, or if that is the message, the person knows. No, I heard. That's not true. I heard uh, I there are possible treatments and there are things I can do and uh, I'm going to do something uh, about it. I think the third thing right now, and, you know, you Laura, you and I talked about this a little when we were chatting last week, is someone diagnosed, particularly at the MCI stage, Really needs to be referred to a specialist in memory and cognition unless their primary care doctor is a specialist and very few primary doctors are specialists mm-hmm. and we're still seeing in last year the alzheimer 's annual report they did a special section on this, and relatively speaking, very few people are being referred to a specialist and they need to be if one's available but also i see because i have a national audience and people in canada you know australia and england you know if you're online your audience is everywhere many people live in areas where that medical expertise just isn't there and it just is, is is hard for me to see and not be galled by i see people Maybe they live in Los Angeles and they're going to the UCLA Medical Center and they are getting an astonishing level of care and being taught and shown all the right things. And then there's a person in Idaho who's being told not much we can do, come back and see me in a year and doing nothing except getting worse um we've got to close that gap uh we've got to through online resources through what we've learned about you know zoom and things like that we've got to get that person to a specialist who really knows this stuff and can really help turn them around
0: i agree i agree and i'm just going to give a plug for a dementia map uh, which is something that Dave Widrick and I had uh, launched, which is kind of something all things dementia, uh, which also includes, needless to say, um, uh-huh. mild cognitive impairments. You know, we there's so many different uh, possibilities out there, and yet so many people are disconnected and don't know where to go. Uh-huh. So, you know, feel free to check out com or even sign up for a tour with me. I'd be more than glad to show you around or or maybe you're somebody listening who has some services, products, or tools that want to share. Um, you know, that works. It, it works for everybody. Um, the site has just been uh, kind of a, a fun thing to be involved with because none of us have all the answers and none of us are ever going to have all the answers. And so we kind of got to get over ourselves in terms of uh, the reality of how we care and um and work with one another let's talk about your book i want my mind back uh what a title uh that is (laughs) and um and tell us the you know what people can expect um from it
1: yeah um i it really is for that person who's just gotten a diagnosis wants to understand the diagnosis wants to know if the diagnosis is right and it really kind of walks them through how to get a proper, accurate diagnosis, how to find a specialist uh, who can really give you good care, and then the um, the the kinds of changes you can make in your life, uh, the things that people have heard about but maybe need more detail or a plan for in terms of uh, physical activity, diet. Um, I I talk about things that your doctor may be overlooking, particularly toxic exposure and toxins. Uh, Most people with MCI or Alzheimer's are not being evaluated in these areas. And if you don't have a problem, then you need to focus on something else. But if you have a problem with that if you've been you've got a sensitivity to household mold if you've been uh you you know exposed to mercury you know you're told eat seafood eat seafood and then so you start eating a bunch of tuna and nobody's telling you that tuna is at risk for mercury and if you get mercury in your system it's stored in your brain and it affects cognition so how to recognize certain things and rule them out. And then ultimately just a very positive message that you've caught it at a time when you have an opportunity to do something about it and you can go after it aggressively. Uh, you, You know, MCI really wants to be the boogeyman under the bed. You know, it wants to be this vague, ominous, threatening blah-ha-ha-ha thing that you know very little about that you feel like you are in the clutches of. And it's a medical indicator that has underlying causes that can be identified uh, and treated. And, you you know, the reality is you're probably going to have to make some changes in your life. You're going to have to make changes, they're going to benefit you in the long run, you know, getting more socially active, challenging your mind, exploring new things, Um, maybe learning an instrument, uh, going to the museum, uh, eating better, Uh, maybe that Big Mac you're having for dinner every night, Um, you know, maybe you have that once every two weeks. And, you know, you look at other things you could be eating and just help people make those changes. And the people who really, even people who do have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's uh, can do better. And that's Mm -hmm. what the book is about. And then it sends people on to some other uh, more detailed books, you know, Dr. Bredesen's book, uh, the End of Alzheimer's, the Sure's Eyes book, the Alzheimer's Solution. And for people specifically uh, with MCI, there's a wonderful book written by the people at Bay Crest in Toronto who've run a pioneering program on MCI for twenty years called The Living with MCI. And I feel like if you start with my book, go to those you are going to understand what you're facing and uh, be armed with what you need to know to, to take action.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, you know, you, you named off so many different things. The one that has been uh, dealing now uh, with, with this for um, 20 years, that's, uh, I, I'm, that's a shock to me in terms of, of knowing that, um, that's very, very powerful to know. And so thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, you know, because so many people haven't talked about this stuff for so long. And it really does make a huge, huge uh, difference in uh, in how you live your life. When you tap into um, the resources that are there, it's just a lot less scary. Uh, yeah, it, it, huge
1: difference. You know, I I went to... Baycrest in Toronto uh, several years ago. I met the people who wrote the book, uh, went, you know, sat in on their program, talked to people they're serving. And there was one gentleman in particular who had uh, been trying to get into the program for a while. He finally got in. And and he said to me, he said, I had no hope. Now Mm -hmm. I have hope and a path. And I actually use that quote in my own mission statement, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. I mean, people get that diagnosis and they feel hopeless, they feel traumatized. Um, And uh, if they can become educated, they can be given hope and a path. And if you have that path, I mean, that's why, um, you know, know, that go cogno approach, It's it's a pathway. And uh, all I'm trying to do is put people on that path as this gentleman found that he was on a path and now he could move forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's it's so much nicer when you don't feel alone, when you know that someone's been down that path prior and has ideas. And I think it also allows people to be more creative in their own life and maybe try different things going, Hey, that's how all of this has started with someone was willing to try something different. And, and I mean, what a huge, uh, huge impact that has that creativity and that ability to be persistent and risk the chance of failure um, to improve yeah. things.
1: People with MCI are stunningly resourceful and stunningly mm-hmm. insightful. You know, they lose confidence in their thinking skills because you know you get in a situation you can't remember a word you're embarrassed the other person embarrassed and it makes you feel that I hate this word but I even hear people with MCI use it makes you feel stupid you know Mm -hmm. and people with MCI are not stupid they they come up with ideas and suggestions and things uh, that I marvel at, you, you know, one thing and, and, you know, your audience, maybe, would just more uh, in the Alzheimer's focus, um, but people with MCI, people with um, Alzheimer's, one issue is balance. And, and you know mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, I mean, falling is a much more common thing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I wrote about it once and I heard from this 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 uh, gentleman. Um, who contacted me, and I am doing a video with him. It was a lot of fun because he found, he got a trampoline, an outdoor trampoline, and he goes out and he jumps up and down on his trampoline uh, for 10, 15 minutes every day. And it strengthens its core, uh, his balance, um, and he found that he's having much less uh balance problems you know is that solution for everybody am i recommending that every one of your leader your listeners go get the trampoline you know i'm not you know and the science isn't there but the thing is he's resourceful he tried something it worked for him and Mm -hmm. you know that is something people with mci do i see them all the time they try something Uh, and uh, it works for them, and, uh, you know, there's no substitute for getting a result.
0: Mm -hmm. No, very, very true. Very, very true. I want to ask you um, also, you know, we talked about your book, and and people can get that on Amazon. Uh, They can go to your website to to get more information on that as well. Um, But I want to talk about your Facebook group as well, Tony, because I think that social connection, um, even though a lot of people out there still poo-poo that um, communicating through Facebook isn't real, uh-huh. um, I, I think yeah. it has just a massive impact on people. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's really
1: important. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I have seen just in the United States, there are probably. Seven, eight, nine million people with MCI, and every one of them thinks they're the only one who has it. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about Alzheimer's, and almost everybody says, "Oh, you know, my aunt had Alzheimer's, my grandmother, you know, like my husband's sister, you know." But when you say MCI, I, I, I mean people don't know anybody who had it, mm-hmm. um, and yet uh, millions of people have it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. this Facebook group, we have about 1300 members right now. (laughs) When, when I had joined it, we had 77, um, Mm -hmm. and it definitely is growing, but, but, but yeah, you know, um, it's like, I had an only child and most of like his friends were only children and, you know, the parents would get together and they say, I'm seeing this with my son. Is, is that normal? Is that, does your son, and that's what that group does, among other things, um, is someone can come and say, I'm having trouble swallowing. Is mm-hmm. that an MCI thing? And the answer is, yes, it is. Um, and just to be told that you know to to know that uh is helpful, and then the support and the insight you, you know um if someone's having a bad day, they can you show up and say, "I'm having a bad day and just get virtual hugs and encouragement, and you know people in the group love to post the inspirational placards you know. Mm-hmm and you know they lift each other's spirits they ask each they answer each other's questions and yeah i i think that's essential you, you know people with mci and you touched on the struggle with this like i don't want anyone to know um mm-hmm. i don't want um this is someplace it's completely private you, you know it's just only in the group no one else can see it um you know it's some place where they feel like it's okay for this person to know because they have it too and they know what I'm dealing with. Uh, and I think it's very important. You know, I know you're a member of our group. We really appreciate that. That's how I got to, uh, to get to know you and the resources you provide. Um, uh, are 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 tremendous, but yeah, that uh, that group, you know, someone can come and just ask to join. You answer a few questions, and we welcome you in with open arms and uh, give you resources and support and encouragement. And I think people really need that. Hmm.
0: Oh, I I definitely agree. Uh, Definitely agree with you there, you know, and I would encourage you, Tony, if you haven't already to um, list both the the group and your book on dementia map as well, because we'd love to be able to help you spread the word of that, you know, everyone is welcome uh, to post their services, products or tools there. Uh, A lot of times people think that they have to be an official business, but we have uh, several people Uh who are living with a form of dementia. Uh, that have their blogs or their websites listed or books or videos they've done. Uh, we want everyone's voice there because uh, we can't make sustainable change unless we work together. And I think that that's just such a critical piece. Plus, everybody, everybody learns differently and listens differently, um, you know, in terms of how they process things, if they've got cognitive impairments or not. I mean, that's just how we're all mm-hmm. built. We're all, we're all built different. And we want to be able to to accommodate that as, as much as we can. Um, we have about seven minutes left, and I just want to see if there was any other um, specific um, tip or topic that you wanted to talk about. Uh, I want to make sure that we have enough time to be able to go over your contact information as well. But these hours always go by so fast. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, understood.
0: One thing
1: I talk about uh with a lot of emphasis uh in the book and i i know this is a topic you talk about but um looking for opportunities to participate in research uh is mm-hmm. all possible and not everybody can uh they may not qualify for a study maybe they you know they need a study partner and they don't have one um yeah you know there are reasons but um I, I I really think that uh, checking to see, talking to your doctor uh, using resources, and there are resources in the book to see if you can find a clinical trial near you that might be um, that you might be eligible for the The advantage is these clinical trials are run at really top medical centers. And you get to go there and be cared there by top doctors in the country, in the world, at little or no cost, Uh, Mm -hmm. even if you don't qualify for a trial, just to have that exposure. And you can get evaluation and tests you you may not have had. And then everything that we know about MCI, most of it has been really come to understood in the last two or three years, all from studies, you know, other people with MCI that enrolled in trials, advanced science and now we know things we didn't know. And, you know, there's that altruistic, that sense that I'm, you know, maybe this won't help me. Maybe it'll help my children. Maybe it'll help someone else's children. You know that, uh, so I really do encourage people to be open uh, to that idea and to uh, to do that. The only other thing, maybe that I talk about really uh, urgently in the book is this idea of identifying your number one. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know, we all have vulnerabilities and something is contributing more than other things and people say well I did exercise and I do eat healthy uh, and I still got MCI a lot of good that did me and it's like no these are not your betrayers these are your assets you know you would be far worse off if you didn't have these strengths but something else is your vulnerability. Uh, could it be you're not dealing with the stress in your life? Could it be a sleep disorder, sleep apnea? Could it be a vitamin deficiency? It's amazing to me. I mean, people with a diagnosis of MCI or Alzheimer's are rarely given the level of medical test that detects vitamin deficiencies. But we know there are vitamin deficiencies that are really common uh in people who are older uh that that you know harm cognition. Uh, so the the idea of working with your doctor to understand usually it's not one thing, it's a combination of things, but it's a different combination for every person. Like someone says, well MCT oil help me. Well, MCT oil helps a lot of people, but whether it helps you or not depends on, you know, the glucose metabolism in your mind. That's a medical thing. You know, you do you have that problem or do you not? Uh, So the people who really make the most progress aren't the ones that look for what worked for someone else or this elusive thing that they think is gonna work for everybody, it's really understanding what's your unique vulnerability. Uh, if you can identify that, if you can really focus on that, you may be able to make the progress that you haven't been able to make and you're not sure why. Those are mm-hmm. a couple of other thoughts.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, Tony, thank you so much for spending time with us today, it's been an interesting conversation. Now uh, you can reach out to Tony uh, by going to his website, which is www.gocono. am sorry, I did that wrong. C O G O. Here I go. Now I got to pull it up in front of my face. I'm getting myself all wound up because I screwed up. Okay, <laughs> here we here we go again. C O G. And why do I keep saying G O? Co. No, Tony, you say your website because I am yeah. just it's being w- goofy w-
1: here. <laughs> just think of the two words: Go Cogno. It just yep. rhymes. www.go yep. dot g o c o g n o go. Thank cogno, you. Cogno, all one word dot com. That's it.
0: <laughs> Thank you, and they can get your book. Um, get information on your book there, or they can always um, go to Amazon as well. You also have a YouTube channel, and you've got the private Facebook uh, um, page for MCI as well. We've got all of those things listed there for you to to be able to check out as well as email. Just go to the, uh, the home page here in the description. You can click on any of those. And, again, the website is www, I'm going to try it one more time, G-O-C-O-G-N-O dot com. And, again, Tony, thank you, you nailed me it. so much. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Only you. took me 12 times, you know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you got to go with the flow. You got to go with the flow. Yep. Um, but thank you so much to our To our listeners, I want to say thank you very much for listening. I hope you like, click, and share this. And please go and check out uh, Tony's website and his book. And don't forget about that Facebook page. I think that's so important to get socially connected to others that are in the same space as you. Um, They have the same struggles and the same joys. And sometimes we just need people to point out that there can still be joy because we've been sold a bill of goods that there can't be. And they're definitely, you know, you can still live well with uh, MCI and other forms of dementia. So um, thank you again, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Bye now.